Hello, football family. Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Cave. I am Lucas Reyes here with my good friend Julian Anchetta. On the podcast, we are breaking down the winners and losers of the 2020 NFL Draft. But before we get into that, as always, Julian, how are you doing? I am doing phenomenal. Uh, I just had a, you know, just had a sip of water right now, so staying hydrated. It's hot outside, y'all, so do the same. But this quarantine's got, you know, this quarantine isn't as bad as it used to be. It's honestly been one of those good things uh, that that comes around that you really realize that it it was good at the end of it. But you know, obviously, you know, feel bad for everyone that is uh, out of work right now, and such. So. In that sense, you know, hopefully everyone's doing okay. Everyone's doing great, but I'm doing fine. Lucas, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Um, I like that that positivity that you're bringing out because I am. I'm trying to be positive too. I just went um on a run yesterday. Ran into yeah. one of my one of my neighbors, Chris, and we were just having a good conversation about trying to keep positive. And you're right, this is an experience that we we were talking about. Um, put in perspective, just a humbling experience. Hopefully, everyone just comes out of it a better person, and we just treat each other better and all that and you're right dude it is getting freaking hot it is yeah, so man. hot spring yeah. is here again it's hitting socal really hard summer and baby summer summer spring yeah um but speaking of that because actually my brother um outside of his room he has like a little plantern thing and uh a bird actually made a nest right there so there's some there's a nest and there's some eggs nice. yeah right outside his room so nice. you know it's just positivity all around there's stuff to look forward to and um Good vibes. And speaking of positivity, we'll just jump right into this. We'll start into with uh, the winners of the NFL draft. And I think easily um, the winners of the draft um, who killed the draft have to be the Baltimore Ravens. I think we're in agreement here because the Ravens, they filled their holes that they needed. And uh, just one by one going down the list, killing the draft, especially with uh, the third round. Uh, Just going down, they get Patrick Queen with Mm -hmm. their first pick in the draft who i think was the best linebacker in the draft and uh just a versatile guy who's really fast and was gonna really help them stop the run and they you know it's one of those things where they learned their lesson uh with how they lost in the playoffs by giving up a bunch of yards to derrick henry so they took that lesson and they learned it the hard way and they addressed it second round jk dobbins a running back i really like this pick help out mark ingram in the backfield who actually did get banged up too and that really stalled their offense which um which was obviously running the ball and uh, it made them a little bit less dynamic but that brings another huge asset to that offense and uh then third round is where they really go off they get justin matabike the defensive tackle from texas a&m devin duvernay uh the wide receiver i mean these are just things that they needed to address uh, a defensive tackle for sure so they beef up that defense and then again another wide receiver so just looking at it they go defense offense defense offense with the first four picks and I think it's just going to really boost um, the overall production and the level of play on the Ravens. I mean, it's just scary to see because they were the most dominant team last year, at least in the regular season for sure, by far. No one was catching up to them. And then um, also Malik Harrison out of Ohio State too, I forgot to mention. So uh, those, I think those were the biggest holes that they needed to address. And they got them. And it wasn't even like they had to trade up. They stayed where they were at. And I think, I mean, just a great overall draft. What did you think about the Ravens draft? Yeah, I mean, that was great analysis. You know, they they didn't trade, they didn't have to trade up. They got guys in positions where they felt needs at, or that maybe they got they found a guy who was slipping the draft, like a uh, Patrick Queen or even a J.K. Dobbins or even a Justin Matabike. Let's be honest, that a lot of people had him, you know, had him grade yeah. a lot higher than he was taken, um, which is going to be a theme in this draft, at least for the winners goes. So I think that's great analysis. Also, another another point of emphasis that we forgot to 
that I, that you might not have mentioned was that the Ravens are one of the most. I'm mean, obviously they're probably one of the most, if not the most, balanced team in the NFL. Um, and they it shows in this draft because they went five of five, they went five defensive players and five offensive players. Um, you know, so they went. They, you know, so obviously they also got two guards back to back in the third and fourth round. They got Tyre Phillips from the guard from Mississippi State. And they also got Ben Bridison from Michigan, another guard, to maybe possibly one of those guys can fill the hole that was left by uh, their, you know, that that's that great guard of theirs who retired earlier this year um, at the end of the offseason. What's his name again? Yonder? Yonder, Marshall Yonder. I always, I always like dislike doing that. But yeah, thank you very much, Lucas. Marshall Yonder. So trying to replace him. So, you know, obviously that you hope, you hope, you know, they hope that, uh, one of those guys can, you know, take over that spot and maybe be a perennial pro bowler, or at least just a starter, at least just uh, keep that production from that guard position. You know, we all know how the Ravens love to run the ball and love, especially run inside and outside, but, main, but mainly inside just for, like, like to punish you and like to punish teams. And obviously a guard would help. And even if they can switch from them to center, that would obviously help too. Yeah, the but, thing about the Ravens draft that I just love so much is um, the fact that, you know, even though they lost players last year, um, last year or to retirement or whatever it may be, uh, they just filled it and they saw the holes. I mean, look, they, like you said, they were really balanced last year, but I think they need they needed to definitely uh, step up in the passing game, getting mm-hmm. DuVernay, and then also in the sixth round, James Prochet, an underrated guy from Southern Methodist. Look, this, I, um, this offense is going to be even more scary, which is crazy to think about um, because look at what they got. Mark Ingram can still play. J.K. Dobbins is going to make it more balanced. I mean, just the balance, I don't know. It, it, I just can't emphasize it enough, the balance that this team brings. And uh, there's there's not many holes left on this on this Ravens team. And that's what makes them winners because it just you, – you're, you're so dominant last year. And the fact that you could just keep improving upon it, it building through the draft, it, I mean, one of the best drafts out there. And they didn't they didn't fumble it at all. And, and being in the back of, of the draft – and getting these guys, these players, is just amazing, and just shows how well their scouting department is, and that's what make the Ravens winners. I mean, um, just an overall great team. Anything else about the Ravens that you want to add on, though? Yeah, I mean, uh, no, not much else. I just wanted to give a brave, a good shout out to Eric Acosta, the GM from the Ravens, and also John Harbaugh, the coach, the head coach of the Ravens. You know, they seem to get really excited about those guys, especially Harbaugh when he uh, when he pumped his fist and he showed a little excitement on the on those cameras. You know, and he was very excited on. I forgot who it was they got, but he was very excited um, when he tried I think it might have been Matabike. So I just I just think, you know, yeah. it, it just shows that, you know, those guys really, like, they were really going after guys who were in their higher in their draft board, and they got a lot of those guys, it seems as if. So I just I just really want to praise them and just praise that scouting department because you, it really this really showed which uh, scouting departments, which just which team or which teams decided to, you know, watch a lot of game film rather than just try and use, you know, other events such as, you know, events that hadn't happened yet. Yeah, you know, so they, that's a good point. Sorry. Uh, just one thing that I should have maybe prefaced this before is how the coronavirus has um, changed the way that the, the scouting has been this year. Obviously, you can't there's no uh, in-person uh, physicals or or. Um, evaluations so this you know with a lack of of being there in person shows which scouting departments are the best you're right because the ravens had one of the best better drafts but teams that didn't have really good drafts like i would say maybe uh the rams that we'll get to the, the other losers that we'll mention uh it just shows how their scouting departments aren't aren't as strong and maybe they didn't look at film as much and it, i don't know just more it just it gives more praise to the ravens for coming out on top like they did um, but moving on to the next winners, excuse me, 
The next winner is on our list. Um, a surprise here for maybe a lot of people, but I felt like I had to put them on this, is the New York Jets. And I picked the Jets just because of how the first two rounds ended up for them. So they give us a little surprise here in picking Mekhi Becton um, just because we thought we had other tackles rated higher and Werfs kept falling for some reason. And um, other players fell too, but we had Werfs higher than Becton. But they go with a guy that they that they felt comfortable with. And... I thought they for sure were going to get C.D. Lamb with that 11 pick, but they realized that the draft was so deep at wide receiver, someone was going to fall, and you know what? Someone fell a lot, and that was Denzel Mims. I couldn't believe Denzel Mims fell into their laps, this wide receiver. So I think that the New York Jets really come up on top just for those picks. And then another guy that kept falling, and this is one guy that fell, I think, I'm convinced, because of the coronavirus, because you couldn't get proper medical evaluation due to his injury history was Bryce Hall, the cornerback from Virginia. We saw cornerbacks get taken back to back. Um, I think there was like five picks in a row. It was, it was insane where we saw cornerbacks just drop off the board in like the fourth or fifth round. The Eagles got like two in a row and then the Vikings got one. And I thought every single time that they were going to get with that, they were going to get a corner. I thought it was going to be Bryce Hall, but no Bryce Hall ends up falling into the jets lap. And um, they end up taking a chance on him, which I really like this pick because Bryce Hall was a great corner, despite his health concerns at, the fifth round, you can't go wrong with taking a risk there. This is all risky picks once you get past the fourth for sure. Um, so I really like what the Jets did there um, with their draft board. What did you, what did you think? Yeah, um, you know, this one was – I was a little more hesitant on calling them a winner. But just by the fact that, you know, they had a lot of guys draw, uh, drop to their – you know, to a preferred slot where they could be – they really could draft them later in the rounds. Um, I believe that they are a winner in the sense that, you know, you have Mims, of course, and you obviously have Bryce Hall, which you, I know you were hyping up on Twitter. So go follow Lucas on Luca on uh, on Twitter. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I know that, you know, they, they had a lot, they filled a lot of holes. They got, they got a few offensive, they got a couple offensive linemen and, and Beckton, obviously Cameron Clark from Charlotte, uh, the University of Charlotte later on in the fourth round. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they, it was a good draft. Obviously, Ashton Davis from Cal Berkeley. He was or from Cal. He was a great pick. I know he's he's an underrated guy who should see some snaps if he does make the team. Obviously, you know, this is all dependent on whether or not they do well in training camp too, as well. Um, you know, and obviously, and Brent and Braden, man, let me just tell you, like I I know that some of you guys follow Pat McAfee, Pat McAfee show, but let me tell you, this man, Braden, man, ha- man, man, has. <laughs> has a cannon for a leg this i mean he was i remember seeing him a highlight of him like hitting putting the football from his own end zone and it went to to the 40 or to the 40 or 30 yard line on the other side of the field like this man has an absolute cannon for a foot and he's going to be a great draft obviously you don't want to see him as much because that means they're putting the ball but still you know brady man has a big big leg for a foot or for like whatever um so he has that and I, th- I think it was a good draft overall it was a good it was a good stepping stone to, you know get obviously sam donald those weapons and getting him obviously help uh, in the offensive line with becton and morgan i'm sorry with the uh, clark and morgan obviously being the qb that dropped in for around fourth round but you know so i think i think the jets do deserve a spot on this list and I, i'm very happy that we that they, they they're doing well especially because they're in sam donald's our quarterback yeah i just i just like it because i know that no they don't have huge expectations but that's fine for me uh, just because this is the draft is going in the right direction for them, and it's you're right, a stepping stone in the right direction. Another one though that had huge strides um, in the draft, and and winners in the draft just because of how well their offseason complemented them has to be the Miami Dolphins because they didn't drop the ball with this draft at all. Like in past years, um, with all the rumors that they maybe would go Herbert or trade up for a tackle, maybe they would. Maybe all those things 
um, they played it perfectly. Like the rumors, um, putting it out there. They get Tua. Obviously, that is um, we don't have to go too far in depth because everyone talks about him. But I, you know, shout out to them for getting the right guy. And then at 18, they get Austin Jackson. I really like this guy. A great story. Really easy to like. And so you get protection for Tua. Then at the last pick in the first round, I was thinking they would go defensive end, but they get Noah Igbenogany, the corner from Auburn, the, le- the next best corner that was available. And I like this guy a lot because you have him and then you also have uh, Byron Jones back there. So easily a great two-corner tandem. Igbenogany is going to be able to learn a lot from, from Byron Jones. So I think that this is a great – Great draft for the Dolphins who who are just building through the draft. They're not getting free agents that are past their prime, and uh, they're just being real patient. And finally, I'm it's just something to be excited about down there in Miami. Just making the right moves. I'm just I'm I'm proud of what the Dolphins have done. I'm not even a Dolphins fan, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean they they did they did what they they needed to do. You know they had what like 13 picks going in the draft or like 10 or 11, yeah. you know picks in the draft, and they hit on mostly all of them, if not all of them. I mean they got. You know they they beat a thought off the offensive line, which we all know the game starts in the trenches and it kind of you go out from there. Um, they had four offensive linemen drafted. They got they got two tackles, a guard, and a center. You know, so and obviously that's obviously going to help. You know, Tua stay upright and you know, or or maybe it's uh Fitz Magic over there and stay upright for the, at least for the season. You know, it's it's going to be it's really helpful beefing up the offensive line with depth purposes. Plus, they also got some hap, help in the back end, which we all know they needed as well. With no Igbenogany. Oh, Igbenogany. Oh, all right. So if I could. Igbenogany. whatever. Um, sorry. So I know I didn't. And, and anybody for anybody's family who's listening to this, I don't mean to roast them, but it's one of those slight roasts. Um, but anyways, they also got Brandon Jones from Texas. A little easier name to pronounce. Um, and they also got those two defensive ends in the fifth round, you know, 10 picks apart. They got Jason Strobridge and Jason Strobridge, please, and Curtis Weaver as well. You know, so I, I think with this team, it's it's one of those things where, you know, they have a lot of picks and, you know, sometimes quality does be quantity, but you can also have both in the sense of, you know, you can have a lot of picks and also hit on those guys too. So I think it'll help out, especially a, especially a deep, if I was to pick one guy in this draft class that would be a sleeper for me, it'd be that kid from Louisiana, Robert Hunt. Um, this obviously isn't from LSU, he's from the University of Louisiana. Louisiana at Lafayette, uh, you know he, you know a guy who was at guard in college, but uh, but they're gonna, I guess they're gonna push him out to right tackle with Austin Jackson being left tackle, you know another guy with great story. So it, it's just it's just a great draft for the Miami Dolphins and and uh, Brian Flores and that entire staff over there to you know build up build upon that five and eleven team that it might that the record itself doesn't show how good they performed because they did win five those last five or they they did win those five games in the last nine so. They obviously weren't a bit enough for swing at the end of the season, so good, good for them and good moving forward for them as well. Yeah, um, that's a good point because I like how Brian Flores was still able to command his team, and they didn't he didn't lose them at the end of the season, building off some very strong momentum at the end and very encouraging results, which was just weird to see um, during the time. But then you look at what they got in the off season and during the draft, and suddenly Miami is a team that maybe people would like to go towards in the off season. Another team that. Um, is a winner, and we were just surprised that this guy landed to them in the first round, mm-hmm. is the Arizona Cardinals. And the Arizona Cardinals get Isaiah Simmons, um, a versatile guy, a huge impact player that could make a huge difference for the Cardinals. I was really surprised that this happened because I was thinking for sure they would go offensive lineman to get some protection for Kyler Murray, get this offense 
rolling, especially with the addition of D-Hop. But with that addition of D-Hop, they don't have the second round, which is fine, the second round pick. But in the third round, Josh Jones falls to them. Josh Jones, a great tackle. Um, I, I had going in the first to maybe uh, the Dolphins with their second pick in the first round. But he falls to the third. And, um, and I mean, like you said, the theme is just for, uh, falling. I really like how this turned out for the for the Cardinals because you address two huge needs. Um, really, people were thinking that they were going to go towards offense in the first round. And the fact that they got Isaiah Simmons and still able to address the, and get a first-round talent later, is I think it's huge. And uh, just completes that offensive side of the ball, and then you have a perennial player and a franchise player on the other side that you could just build around. It's I think it's I don't know. It's just it's just insane to me. What do you think about the Cardinals draft? Yeah, I mean the the theme, usually the theme of the of the winners is you know falling to the draft is fall is guys who fell to them and they just were lucky to be in the position they were at. And I think for the Cardinals, this definitely reigns true. Like you said with Isaiah Simmons, I mean I had him going. As low, I mean, I had him like the lowest I had him going was seven to the Panthers. Obviously, when the Panthers uh, drafted uh, Derek Brown from the University of Auburn, you're like, okay, well, uh, the Cardinals don't really need a linebacker. They're going to go lock into lineman. So, where's uh, Isaiah Simmons go? And they they provided a shock for me, at least in the first 10 picks. You know, Isaiah Simmons went with the eighth overall pick. And I feel like with that, you know, you they drafted a guy who you're like, all right, they didn't really expect him to slip there. And once he did, they're like, well, we have to take him. You know, a guy like that, a guy in that position with that versatility doesn't come around often. With adding him with Buda Baker and that and that team, that team's looking for very formidable, you know, in the defensive line, in the defensive, uh, in the defensive side of the ball. But uh, obviously, the biggest story is Josh Jones driving in the third round. Uh, sorry, falling to the third round. I mean, you had everybody and their mother talking about how it was gonna be a first round pick. I you had him going eighteen. I had him going twenty six to the Dolphins, no less. But just to see that he he went all the way to seventy. He went all the way to seventy two, where the Cardinals finally picked him up. And, you know, they, this is a first-round guy. I don't know if, you know, if, if people don't like his tape or I don't know if people don't like his measurables or what or what the case it might have been. But I felt like Josh Jones at the latest would have been a late round, late first-round pick, maybe even early second-round pick. But just to see him fall to the third round, it, it's kind of it's kind of crazy to see how it happens. But I guess, you know, sometimes projections aren't true. Aren't true. But the biggest thing for me, I guess, but and it might be guy, but biggest thing for me for sure was Benjamin getting drafted in the seventh round, staying in the state of Arizona. Um, you know, I uh, watching him a few, watching him on the field when I was uh, at Arizona State when I was when I was uh, went to some of those games. You know, from from a fresh from the time he was a freshman to now he was a junior. You know, this man made an impact in the field. You know, he he came in and he started his in, all three years, and he just he had this one spin. He always had the spin move. Any anytime you're like you, they got him down, they didn't. He spun out of it. I mean, he. He, he went crazy on a bunch of teams and he had like something I forgot what his statistic was against a team where he he just destroyed them in his freshman year and you're just like this man's a beast and I prefer sure that thought he was going the fifth sixth round and just to see that he won the seventh round I mean the last I heard a story where the last guy last guy that dra- the Cardinals drafted from ASU was actually Pat Tillman in this in the seventh round obviously uh, as well as being 226 picks obviously four four picks after you know Benjamin was selected you know different different years but still the same. Um, but just to see the where he went, you know, just to see that Eno Benjamin gets to stay in that state. I know it's a lot of height for a seventh round pick, but I but trust me when I say this, his guy has a lot of talent, and don't be surprised if he's a stud and he ends up doing pretty well in the in the next level. Yeah, I like that too. Eno Benjamin could definitely learn from Kenyon Drake and that elus- elusivity. Oh my god, elusiveness. Why am I saying elusiveness could definitely come in handy, especially in that offense, because that exactly that's exactly what Drake brings. And so 
I like that a lot for Kyler Murray and just expanding that role. Um, it's going to be great. I like I like to see that. The ne- next winner on the list we have is the Carolina Panthers, who you mentioned got Derek Brown, which I was a little surprised because I really thought they were going to get Isaiah Simmons, but you can't go wrong with Derek Brown here as well. Building up that defense, especially how the, the Panthers went along and building the their defense through the draft because all of their picks was on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's fine because of how they address their heavily they address their offense in the offseason. So Derek Brown and then Yutour Gross Matos, two really young guys on the defensive line that can make a difference and can easily get to the quarterback. So in that division where you have Drew Brees, uh, Matt Ryan, and uh, now Tom Brady, a bunch of pass-happy uh, offenses, that's going to be huge. I could definitely definitely see where the Panthers are trying to go. Then they get Jeremy Chin in the second round as well. Um, uh, safety. These guys looking to really solidify themselves as a young core that could definitely get to the quarterback and then not and prevent you from trying to make any big plays over the top. And they're going to need it with those wide receiving cores. I understand why they went this with this route when they look at the division now. Um, I like these two picks though, Brown and Matos. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they, they went defensive, they went all defensive in the, in their entire draft. I mean, they they had what seven picks and they all, they're all defensive players. I mean, it's the first time in the, in the uh, draft history, in the early since the AFL NFL merger, that a team has went all defensive. Um, that is when a team was on all defensive in the draft, or at least used all their picks on the defensive side of the ball. That's the first time since 1985 since one team has used their all picks on any side of the ball. Where last time that happened was the Cleveland Browns. Quick history lesson: the Cleveland Browns that season went from five and eleven the previous season to going eight and eight and making the playoffs. Losing the Dolphins um, in the first round, but still making the playoffs and kind of a big turnaround. Where they end up going twelve and four the next season after that, and they they went over, I believe, like the next four seasons after that. They also went uh, to ten or more win seasons. So it's kind of a bit of a history lesson. But you know, the Panthers obviously went. They, they decided defensive was the side of the the defense side of the ball needed a lot of help without a new staff with um with Matt Rule uh, taking over and Derek Brown was a was a beast. I mean, we. We saw a lot of tape on him, I, um, and you know he was a beast. He got he got to the uh, to the quarterback a lot, and you know Yutor Gross Matos had also has a great story. I feel like there's a lot of good stories in this draft um, about guys who you know about guys who overcame a lot. I know ESPN pushed that. I know ESPN pushed that heavily. A little too much, uh, yeah. A little too much, some would say, but you know, hey, it is what it is. You know, Yutor Gross Matos though definitely had a great story, and it was a five star pick, I believe, going into. Uh, Going into Penn State, or maybe it might have been someone else, but he was a very highly, very highly touted prospect going into Penn State. And I remember reading the story on Bleacher Report um, earlier in the season about how he was going to be this stud and how any team who got him was going to get this great guy. And you're just like, all right, well, whoever gets him, and of course, of course, it has to be an NFC South opponent that gets him. (laughs) You know, we'll see in the next few years. But also another guy, Jeremy Chin, you know, Southern Illinois. He was a he was a guy who was, and many people were talking about as a sleeper in this draft about a guy who could. Come and perform right away, um, plug and play type of guy, uh, depending on the system, of course. But another guy who was who had very big size and just a guy who could just come in and just transform whatever defense he was in. So I, I definitely think that the the excuse me, the Panthers definitely were focused on obviously that you know the Buccaneers had you know their offensive you know offensive sweepstakes in the free agency with Tom Brady and obviously Gronk later on. Um, but they, I feel like they wanted to counteract that with getting some defensive help, making sure that. 
you know, they get the they get the ball to their offense and with you know, Teddy Bridgewater signing up and with, you know, C-Mac over there or CMC, whatever they call him, um, deciding to re-sign with that team. They want to make sure that they get those set. Uh, they want to make sure they get Matt Rule and those boys in the offense get that ball. And it looks like they did a good job. And just hopefully that for their sake, they uh, or some of those guys, or if not all those guys are consistent and they make the team and they do well. And, you know, they, they the, right now it looks like that team definitely is going to be uh, in, much improved for the next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what the Panthers can do. Um, another team on that side of this of the nation that did really well, but in Florida is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I really like what the Jaguars did. Going C.J. Henderson first. You don't want to let this go. This guy go by, and he was definitely going to get picked up by the Raiders or another team that needed a corner. And then with their second pick in the first round, they got a super versatile player in Caleb on Chase on addressing the defense, which I really love. Because, you know, the Jaguars are trying to establish their dominant defense that they were a f- just a few years ago when they were in the AFC Championship. Then in the second round, they get a wide receiver to help out Minshew. I think it's going to be Minshew uh, at quarterback with LaVisca Chenault. Um, great pick here because I thought Chenault was going to go to the Packers in the first round. LaVisca is – yeah, we're going to talk about that later. Uh, LaVisca is a very versatile guy. And I think he's going to bring a lot. I think he's a first-round talent. A lot of upside. He won't be as dominant as these other wide receivers and maybe not as wide, like a true wide receiver one, but he could definitely grow, and I like this guy a lot. And they just had a lot of draft picks as well that they could go down the list. Um, Shaquille Quarterman in the fourth. I like the linebacker from Miami. Uh, but what do you think about the Jaguars in their draft that makes them a winner? Uh, I mean, they they had a great draft. Uh, they they obviously improved both sides of the ball, may, also mainly the defensive side of the ball. But they also had some offensive pieces as well, with Lavisca Chanel uh, being drafted in the second round. You know, I I really like that Caleb on Chazon pick because a lot of people had him go into the uh, Falcons at sixteen, but you know the Falcons chose the cornerback and they decide and the you know the Jaguars obviously said, well, you know what, we need a we need a defensive end, we need an edge. And let's get Caleb on chase on, you know? So I think, I think that definitely helps out. See, obviously adding CJ Henderson where, you know, you had a big need after boy left. Um, that, that, that'll definitely help that defense out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's Chanel. Let me, let me just tell you, there was a lot of people talking about let Chanel as a, you know, as kind of like a, one of those receivers that is more of a slot guy, but, when I see LaVisca Chanel, I really look at a guy who I'm like, man, this guy can take the top off the defense and can really just destroy a defense and can can take over your entire receivers core because receiver core because when I saw him at U, when I saw him in Colorado, you know, he was doing a lot of things where you're like this guy, whoever drafts him, is gonna get a stud, is gonna get a guy who you can you can put in your system for, you know, for a decade or so and he'll he'll be that starting receiver that you're looking at like, wow, like this guy is going to be an absolute stud, and he's going to be he's going to be helpful to Gardner Minshew or whoever the quarterback is uh, in Jacksonville. Um, but look at this, looking at this draft. I mean, they they really they really surprised me with some of those picks. But a lot of those picks, if not all those picks, really did something for that defense or something for that team. You know, especially with getting Shaquille Quarterman in the fourth round from my from the University of Miami. Also with Colin Johnson, who I'm surprised up to five because he's got size and he's got. He's got speed. He's got he's got a lot of things where people are like, you know, this is a prototypical wide receiver, at least size wise, you know, and just what he can bring to that team. And it's a good spot. Obviously, they drafted Jake Luton, uh, the quarterback from Oregon State in the sixth round. And obviously, the same round they drafted uh, Minshew last year. So should be some competition. But I expect Minshew Mania to be alive and well in Jacksonville uh, for next year. But yeah, it's gonna, this is a really good draft and it can be, you know, can really they, they replace a lot. Obviously, it looks uh, drafting Caleb Von Chase on in the first round. I know we brought it. I know I brought it up in the when he they get dropped when he got drafted about how that's going to affect um, 
uh, you, uh, in Yannick Ngakwe and about mm-hmm. how his about how he might. I mean, this is this looks like they're pushing him out and they're getting a new guy in there, but not you know there's been a report of Yannick Ngakwe not having as many suitors as he might think. So we'll see what happens in, situ- in that situation. But the Jaguars for themselves had a really good draft, addressed address a lot of, if not all, their key needs. And it, it was just a good draft to just build upon and just see what they can do for next year. Yeah, I think an underrated part about Caleb Vaughn is his ability to drop back in coverage in the zone. And I think that's going to help a lot, uh, especially when you take a look at the Colts who just drafted uh, Michael Pittman and they still have uh, T.Y. Hilton and they got uh, Jonathan Taylor. So it... I think that this is probably going to be a huge improvement on the defensive side of the ball where they could slow down their the counterparts in that division on the offensive side, especially like Derek, Derek Henry and, and, it's, and what the Titans have over there. So um, Jacksonville could be competitive. I think they're still a few years away removed from being uh, uh, contenders for that division, but I could see that you could see the direction that they're going in and, and it could uh, pan out very well for them. A team that I thought had a very good draft and maybe the second best um, draft was the Minnesota Vikings. And these guys were just so methodical in how they drafted. And they addressed each hole one by one. And they got some assets by trading back with the Niners. And it, you you try and look for, you know, this Vikings team before the draft, they had some very big questions on who was going to fill what need and and. I thought they were a team that maybe were going to have some holes going into this season and look very different in their production, especially on that off, off, offensive side of the ball. But now let's take a look at what they drafted. First round pick, their first pick in the first round was Justin Jefferson, which I think fell in their lap after the Eagles passed up on him by getting, uh, oh shoot, it's just Jalen, Jalen Rieger. Yeah, Jalen Rieger, which Jalen Rieger really fits well in the Eagles, but uh, I think the. At, really fell into their lap, Justin Jefferson, um, after losing Stephon Diggs, trade back with the Niners at the 31st pick and get Jeff Gladney. So that fills a huge uh, hole um, for them at the cornerback position. And then in the second round, getting Ezra Cleveland, which fills a tackle need that they had. After, I forget who they lost there. But they, but they, this addresses huge needs there at, at, at positions they lost um, during this offseason. And uh, these are plug-and-play guys that could be ready to start. Ezra Cleveland might need to be polished up a little bit, but Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney are huge talents that could instantly affect how uh, this team produ- production uh, plays because I don't think there's going to be a fall-off in production now. I really like what they did. What, are, what do you think about the Vikings? Yeah, I mean, like you, like you brought it up, uh, you said it really well with them getting Justin Jefferson. I mean, I think everybody, once he fell – to where he was at, I think everybody protected the Eagles and drafted him, but they ended up getting Jalen Rieger, who I called as J- uh, Sean Jackson part two, but we'll see if that actually is true. Um, but, you know, Jeff Gladney coming in and replacing Mackenzie Alexander, um, you know, who they lost in free agency to the Bengals, actually. You know, he was a very, he's a very big time, he's going to be a very big time help out of TCU. I had him going to the to the Chiefs at 32, so one pick off, but it's okay. I know David was happy about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but, so he was happy about that, but any, but anyways, so I think you know this this team really drafted well. When I first was looking at it, I was like, ah, oh, the Vikings. Maybe they could be a winner or loser. But I looked, I started looking at who they picked, and I was looking at you know their holes that they that they filled up and what or they had going into the draft. And I'm like, they did really well, especially with Ezra Cleveland in this going in the second round and Cameron Dantzler, who's gonna be a, who's gonna be a sleeper pick in this draft, uh, going out of Mississippi State. You know, going those guys and plus Troy Dye out of Oregon and. You know, just a bunch, they had a bunch of guys who maybe not have, might not have the biggest names, 
but are very were very productive in college and should see that production move over to the NFL um, as if you know if they if they're put in the right spots. Um, Justin Jefferson obviously coming and replacing uh, Stephon Diggs. You know, I obviously wanted them to draft Trevon Diggs just for the simple story of you know brother going for brother, but didn't happen. So <laughs> you know, kind of sad there. But they did fill the need of getting a wide receiver and also getting a cornerback with their first two picks. So I think I feel like that's what they needed to do with both those picks uh, as well. I, it was just for the Vikings. It was a lot of it was a lot of we didn't know who they were going to get, and I know you were having a, trouble with that mock draft uh, earlier. I know we were all having trouble with the mock draft actually. Um, you know, we were talking about who the Vikings would pick. I feel like that was a big question mark. Um, they could go a lot of spots, and I really didn't. I really didn't think Justin Jefferson would draft would have fallen that far to go in the first round. Um, but he did, and they they picked up, they swooped up on him, and they they could possibly get one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in this draft, uh, with Justin Jefferson in that twenty two slot. So I think they definitely had a lot of guys slide in this draft, and they they picked those guys up, and you know, hopefully for them it works out. Yeah, they're winners because of how they drafted, but of course, but. Um, because of that, but also just because of the players that fell. I mean, that's that's a huge win because, goodness, like I was having, I didn't see them getting a quality type wide receiver at the level of Justin Jefferson at that pick. So, um, huge W for them. Moving on to the Dallas Cowboys, who I was surprised how they how they drafted um, with their first pick, but it all worked out fine because they got C.D. Lamb, and there's another weapon for Dak Prescott, and it's gonna free up Amari Cooper even more. And then I was thinking, dude, they really needed a corner. But this guy fell in their lap, too. So two players that fall into the lap with Trevon Diggs, the guy that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really needed to fill that void that Byron Jones left for that huge contract. And they get a dog in Diggs. And then they get a guy in the fifth round that I'm sure you're going to go off and talk about. It's Bradley mm-hmm. and I um, in the defensive end position from Utah. This It's just the overall those three picks for sure just stand out to me, and that's what made me think that the Dallas Cowboys were winners in this draft because these are all impact players that, like um, like a lot of these other draft boards that um, we have as winners because they get plugged in. But um, the quality, the quality of play that they got, of players that they got from those picks that they have late in the rounds um, was just super surprising to me. But Jerry Jones really, really hit it out the park, I think, from his yacht. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, tell me about it. He was in that yacht in Miami, so I think he's a winner in itself, um, just for that yacht and just for that, just for the, him having possibly the best draft setup that there was right. in the, on ESPN. Um, but going back to their picks, obviously C.D. Lamb dropping to where he was at. I mean, I don't think anybody could have predicted that he would have been there for the Cowboys to swoop up. So you know, good for him, um, or good for them, I should say, uh, getting Dak Prescott a new weapon and getting you know getting him some help besides Amari Cooper. Uh, so I think that'll help out. Trayvon Diggs, how he how he got to the second round in that slot, I don't know. I I'm be honest with you, I don't know. I thought he was going to the Vikings at 22, um, or I thought he was going to go, you know, later on to maybe the Chiefs or maybe to uh, you know whoever else needed a cornerback in that spot. But maybe I'm surprised. Ra- I thought the Raiders too. Raiders definitely right. needed one. The Raiders. I mean, obviously the Raiders. Decided, the Raiders are. We're going to talk about them later. But the Raiders definitely had one of those drafts. You look back and you're like, okay, all right, okay. I, I don't know what they're going with, but hopefully it works out for them. Um, but Neville Gallimore, another guy, another guy from Oklahoma who really athletic defensive tackle. So I think he was a big sleeper in that draft. Tyler Baidaz, obviously, um, you know, he's going to replace Travis Frederick, you know, or at least try to get those some of those snaps in for him, uh, retiring Travis, Travis Frederick. But the guy who I really thought, and you said it yourself, you know, well, Bradley and I from Utah, you know, he was, yeah, he was one of those guys who I had going in the third or fourth round. 
going to be a you know a plug and play type player, a guy who maybe won't be kind of a guy like uh, Max Crosby last year, right. where he he'll outplay somebody else, you know, who drafted, who was drafted higher. But I did not expect him to be there at five uh, for the in the fifth round at least for him, you know, and especially with the Cowboys uh, signing um, who they signed this offseason you know, for defensive end. Uh, oh, there's. There's, there's a couple guys they signed in the defensive end, so I didn't think they were going to go defensive end in this draft. But, I mean, they did, and they actually got a sleeper pick, uh, at least a sleeper pick of one of mine, you know, a guy from Utah. So Bradley and I are definitely a good, a good sleeper for them. Also, the, also they drafted the guy from uh, James Madison, Ben DiNucci, so that'll help out in the in the quarterback depth room. In the depth room. Um, but th- this draft lo- was really well. I mean, they only had, what, seven picks? And they, it looks like they hit on all of them. You know, they got, they got some big-time talent from some big-time universities, um, you know, and it's just, it's just one of those drafts here. Like, well, it's a Jerry Jones type draft, you know, very, you know, a team where they're not, they're not always drafting high and they're always drafting kind of like in the middle, middle of the, middle of the rounds. So it's kind of like they had to pick and choose where they want and see if they're going to slip or see who's else going to slip. But I really like this Cowboys draft and, you know, hopefully, you know, they, they look like they filled other needs. Um, you know, they got some guys who might, might not even fill a need, but just the guys who were at it for depth reasons and just, for those reasons alone, I really, I really like this pick for the Cowboys as a winner in this draft. Yeah, I, re- I really like them too because um, those are some huge holes, but they ended up being able to fix them right away. The next mm-hmm. uh, winners on the draft, just because I like the weapons that they're surrounding Rivers, I'm a little, I'm a little biased. <laughs> but uh, the Colts, um, Michael Pittman going at 34. They didn't have a first round pick, but they got Michael Pittman at 34. Uh, really, I really like that because T.Y. Hilton could not, cannot do it all. But he is a good complimentary piece, uh, deep weapon threat. And, I, dude, I honestly had a dream last night about Phil yeah. Rivers throwing a bomb to Michael Pittman in a post route. Um, and I could totally see it happening. Uh, this guy, I, I really like him. Then also Jonathan Taylor, the running back, to help uh, alleviate the load off of Marlon Mack and maybe uh, actually take over that role. So some two, guy, two guys in the second round that I think could easily uh, win that starting position. Um, so what do you think about that as the Colts? Well, yeah, I also had a dream last night, but it, it definitely didn't have to do with Michael Pittman oh, or anything football related. So, um, talk about loads. So, I mean, that's, that's good. That's good segue into that. But anyways, going back to football, um, you know, I, you know, Mike, obviously they didn't have a first round pick and many people were saying, especially David was special, was saying about how they were driving the, they would pick, they would pick, they would choose a quarterback in the first round. They didn't end up doing that. Um, they obviously got Jacob Eason from Washington who, who's kind of one of those guys who can either do really well or can either do poorly. So it's kind of just what type of version do you get from him? So hopefully with that quarterback room with Philip Rivers and obviously Frank Reich being the head coach, you know, he'll, he'll, he should have the best develop, development possible. Um, but yeah, Michael Pittman, a great pick, another productive, uh, productive, productive guy from USC, a guy who can just do get jump balls and out there. And, um, you know, he's just a guy who can just go out and outwork the next guy for you, you know. And, you know, he was a guy coming into college where he wasn't the highly, he wasn't the, he wasn't the highly, he wasn't the most highly rated uh, receiver prospect, even in his own class from USC, Tyler Vons was. But he actually outworked Tyler Vons and would just happen to get, happen to be, um, you know, more productive receiver. And he just, with, with hard work and especially with that staff, it was kind of a, it was kind of a miracle almost that he was picked in the second round this high at least you know, with, with the production or with at least the development that he had. And it was, just, it was just kind of crazy to see that, you know, seeing him, because I used to watch him in high school, um, and he just, uh, he was he was one of those guys who are like, man, this kid is going to be good in the NFL. And my dad brought it up. He's like, yo, he's like, that kid Michael Pittman? He's like, I don't care what this kid is going to be. He's like, 
but he's going to be really good in the NFL because I've seen some things that this I've seen his this kid do some things that I didn't I've never seen another kid do. So uh, you know, high praise for him. Obviously, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor getting you know those amount of getting what like 900 carries in college. Hopefully, he can you know he can kind of relax a little bit in the carries in uh, you know for the for the Indianapolis Colts. They obviously need you know help in that backfield with uh, with Marlon Mack and such with you know that injury history of his, but. I really like this Indianapolis Colts draft. They drafted a lot of guys, a lot of productive guys, and maybe again, not the sexiest picks or at least name wise, but a lot of guys who you're like very productive in college and hopefully can move that production over to the pros as well. Yeah, um, I think that's gonna wrap it up for our winners, but you also had one more. Uh, yes, I do. I think the biggest winner for me at least, from just from a just from a meme perspective, uh, was Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> Um, you know, they, they, they were showing his house and they were showing these houses and stuff. And you're like, all right, kind of cool house. And maybe some moves obviously going to show up, going to show up later. But Cliff Kingsbury was a big winner as far as house goes. I mean, you look at that, you look at that one picture of his, when he's just sitting down on his couch and looking at the TV and you look outside and you're like, wow, this man is living the dream oh, life. Yeah. You know, he's, he's living the dream life. I mean, there's Legos made out of this man's house and stuff, you know? So like, it's just that meme itself. So I think that in itself Deserve a spot on this winner's list just for shits and googles, to be honest. But I really like Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, live living a young life, and he obviously he's a, he's a younger head coach than most. Um, but Cliff Kingsbury, man, he's living living a living single the life, dream. living the bachelor, living the dream in Arizona. I mean, it's hot outside. He's gonna so stay inside the cliff. Don't don't burn out. Um, but you know, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury definitely big win in this pick. But uh, yeah, especially with the Cardinals driving with what they did. So I think a double double at double greatness for him so if you cliff if you kingsbury, type in cliff kingsbury on google the first result to finish the result is house it's cliff kingsbury nice. house so this man nice. yeah humble brag go off cliff all right it was like 4.5 million worth that yeah oh shit if i could afford that i would but you know I'll, yeah don't look at the time money so thanks cliff. <laughs> uh, let, let, let me say in there real quick i got you man I'll, I'll pay some rent so we got some losers now uh, for the NFL draft, and there weren't many losers that I could come up with, and me and Julian could come up with, just because of how well this draft was loaded with talent. And uh, but there were clear losers, at least to us. And the first loser I'm gonna go with is the Green Bay Packers, and for obvious reasons, why did you uh. not get a wide receiver in a draft where it's so loaded with wide receivers? You didn't get one. You didn't get one, let alone in the first round, and you took the mm-hmm. audacity. To go and get Jordan Love in the first, who would have easily fell. I don't care. Um, I don't think that this was a good draft at all for the Green Bay Packers. Um, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I am fucking furious. And I think he is furious. Uh, and who knows what's going to happen now. Just because, uh, I mean, we hear stories and there's always rumors around Rodgers about his character. And I don't think I would judge it. I mean, I'm not there. But... I, I think that there's enough stories out there to just be like I don't think he's gonna like this Jordan Love pick. I think I think you could see it. I he's gonna he's gonna teach uh, Jordan Love and Jordan Love's gonna learn everything he can. But uh, I don't think it's gonna be like the same. I think they're trying to repeat history with what they did with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. But I don't think it's gonna be the same transition at all. And uh, this is a stretch pick for me. I, you take a look at Jordan Love's tape, and he wasn't nearly the quarterback that Aaron Rodgers was coming out of college. I don't think. So um, that's just my big bone to pick with the Packers. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, like you said it best. You know, the biggest the biggest loser here is Aaron. Well, not Aaron Rodgers, but he the biggest loser here is the relationship between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. 
you know, yeah. because it went, you went from a team where you almost, you were one game away from the Super Bowl, obviously getting schlacked by the 49ers in the Super, in the, in the yeah. championship game. But, you know, and Raheem Mostert, beast mode over there. But, you know, you are, the Packers, it, you're like, okay, like, you have to pick a receiver in this draft class. There's no way you don't draft a receiver in this draft class. Not only do you not pick one in the first round, but you don't pick one in the entire draft. I mean, obviously you get a tight end with Joseph, just with Josiah DeGuara from Cincinnati, who's a decent pick in itself. But just to get not a receiver in this pick, in this draft class, with such a deep draft class, it's like, okay, another year of Devontae Adams and who else do we got? You yeah. know? I mean, they have they have Funches, right? Then they draft, then they sign Funches or something. Uh, let me go take a look What's at their uh, depth chart right now. I'm actually pulling it up. But yeah, I mean, like obviously Jordan Love. They're I understand they're trying to do. They're trying to get. You know, they're trying to pick up uh, Aaron Rodgers' uh, replacement, or not even replacement, but just a guy who can come in after Rodgers and just be the same Aaron Rodgers as after after Aaron Rodgers. You know, but it's just one of those things, man. Where, like not only did they draft him in the first round, they traded up. Yeah. To him. They they traded up. They traded a few. They traded a few picks and and later picks to to go up and get him. Like, who did you expect to come up in the draft and draft Jordan Love? I unless maybe the Colts, maybe, but even that, even that, like that's still like that's still a little risky proposition with uh, Aaron Rodgers and such. And obviously getting AJ AJ Dillon in the draft. You know, they already had two good running backs in the draft. They didn't need another one. So that another slide where he could draft a receiver, but. The Packers did what they did. Obviously, we're talking about they could have gotten Lavisca Chenault uh, in the in, with a third with the twenty sixth pick or with the thirtieth pick, excuse me. But they didn't do that, so kind of ruined my draft. Uh, lose ruined my mock draft. So thanks, Packers. <laughs> um, you know, but I just it was one of those things, man. The Packers really they really went out of their way to almost it almost seemed like they went out of their way to piss off right. Aaron Rodgers. And if they didn't do, and if they didn't mean to do that, then they did that very inadvertently, and they did that with by doing things like talking, again Jordan Love and not even. Jordan, not even drafting a receiver. They got they got some offensive line help, of course, to you know beef that offensive line. But it's one of those things where you have to draft a receiver, you know, to at least at least eight Aaron Rodgers in his last few years uh, that he's there. Maybe win the Super Bowl, at least make another playoff run for him, you know. So it's kind of it's kind of where they did that. So hopefully, from their perspective, it works out. But we will definitely see in that situation. Yeah. Um. So they pass up on so many receivers: Chenault, Mims. Um, they even could have got KJ Hill, who um dropped to the seventh round, which is ridiculous. I don't, I don't, I don't yep. know why the scouts keep doing that. Um, sleep on the Virginia wide receivers, but yeah, they had Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams was a good running back when J- Aaron Jones needed some help, uh, alleviating the load and and when he got banged up a little bit. Look, the wide receiving cores: Devonte Adams, Adam, Alan Lazar, Devin Funches, uh, MVS, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, who was a little disappointing. I mean, he's still disappointing, you know. Um, yeah. You just get one more, and that offense is a lot better than what it is, you know. And the fact that they didn't do that is really, really disappointing. And uh, just from an NFL fan perspective, and we'll talk about the Eagles later, what the Eagles did with drafting um, Jalen Hurts. But when the Eagles did that, I I saw what their GM said about how, how they approached it, and it made a lot of sense to me, and we'll talk about it later. But one of the things that he said was that he – Talked to Carson Wentz and told him that we were gonna they were gonna go with uh, Jalen Hurts and I don't know if the Green Bay Packers have that kind of communication and clarity with Aaron Rodgers and so it puts a lot of um, uh, uncertainty with Rodgers' future how much they want to how want him to play and everyone's gonna talk about this this is gonna be the talking point of the Packers season and I don't know this is just so much bad publicity and I feel like uh, ever since. Oh my gosh, it's blanking me. Who's the coach for the for the Packers? Um, McCarthy, uh, yeah, Matt Lafleur. Sorry, 
LaFleur, the moment he got to Green Bay, it was always there's always been the type of questioning between him and Rodgers and their relationship. It's, I mean, it hasn't stopped, and it's just going to get worse. So it's just an all-around uh, bad draft for the Packers. And, and uh, the like you said, the inadvertent results of this draft and the effects of it um, is, is a lot worse than I would have thought it could have been before this draft started. Moving, yeah, moving yeah. on to the next list. Uh, we got some uh, losers, and I think that the Raiders are losers. Um, this might surprise a lot of people. They got Henry Ruggs, which uh, I actually like that pick. It's not a bad pick. It's solid, uh, but at at twelve, but they pass up on on uh, CD and uh, and uh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a bank. Yeah, Judy, Judy which I I thought they were gonna pick up. But Ruggs is solid, and like you, you always say that they love their speed guys, and I'll let you talk about that. So that's kind of a, um, I guess, a interesting pick just to see how he'll fit in the offense. And then nineteenth, they go Damon Arnett, which is a huge surprise, and that I think was the biggest surprise of the whole first round because I don't think anyone had Damon Arnett going in the first round, and there were plenty of other picks that we thought, um, other corners that we thought were better than Arnett that were still on the board, Diggs, Fulton, etc. And so it was just really interesting. And then they go with the following rounds with the wide receivers, and that's what you you convinced me there, or they were losers because of that. Um, not addressing maybe another uh, linebacker that I thought they needed. I think that the Raiders kind of dropped the ball. That's what makes them losers. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I think the Raiders, for the simple fact of they seem they seem to overthink it to the fact where they think they try to draft sleepers in the, they try they go for reach for sleepers. It's understandable, you want to you want to get those guys who on your draft board. You want to get them higher than you know than other teams because you want to make sure you draft them. But with you know with Henry with Henry Rose, I figured they were going to do that just because the Ravens, just the Raiders, love their speed. Um, not the drug, of course, the the <laughs> the, the statistic at least. Um, but they 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 uh, maybe maybe the maybe both to be honest, now. but I don't know. But uh, but anyway, so I think I think with Henry Ruggs, it's like all right. At least you can make an argument where he was, you know, a top receiver in the draft. Maybe not the number one receiver, um, maybe not even number two, but he was definitely up there for you know where he was going to get drafted. But then you get David Arnett or did David? Does it say David Arquette? I don't know which one. But I, in the, in, let me I tell you, like when they draft, when they said I'm like David, I'm like, is he David Arquette? They drafted the guy from you know from those movies back in the '90s, early 2000s. You know, who was a who was a WCW champion? No, they drafted Damon Arnett, is a cornerback from Ohio State. Who, let's be honest here, the only cornerback from Ohio State was drafted earlier with Jeff Okuda that we that we all know. So I don't really look at tape. So um, excuse me for that, but. It was kind of like we're like, all right, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe this works out for them. Maybe it's kind of one of those Travis Frederick situations where they draft him, where they draft a guy who was at least in the third round for me, or at least for the most mock drafts, where he's drafted in the third round to go in the first round, you know, middle round, or middle of the round. It's kind of like, okay, may, maybe, maybe, hopefully for them, he has that kind of impact for them, but we'll see. But then they, but then the real, but then the real situation where I'm like, all right, there's no way this team won the draft was they drafted another two receivers. Back to back picks, and I don't mean back to back as in their own two picks. Back to back picks with the 80th pick and the 81st pick. They went with Lynn Bowden Jr. from Kentucky, who was who was a quarterback who played a little quarterback in, for Kentucky. So maybe another gadget player like a Taysom Hill or like a uh, you know one of those type of guys. But then you go with another receiver with Brian Edwards from South Carolina. It's kind of like all right, like I understand you need a receiver to help out Derek Carr and need some weapons, but. There's no way you have in your first four picks. You go three receivers. That's kind of like okay, like you know, you know, from a depth from a depth perspective, they're gonna need some guys. But at the same time, 
they're also gonna they're also gonna maybe cut one of those guys just from a simple like you don't have enough slots to fill all those guys in the same spot. Plus, they don't they didn't have a pick in the fifth, sixth, sixth or seventh round, so it's kind of like maybe maybe screw themselves in that way. But I just feel like with their with their needs, they needed a few other positions, but they didn't really uh, they didn't really choose those guys. But who knows? Maybe Mayock, maybe maybe Mayock is smarter than we all are. Yeah, so I want to give Mayock the benefit of the doubt because I really do like Mike Mayock, but. They got their wide receiver, and maybe they could have just got one more. But taking two back-to-back, I mean, you look at their receiving core. Ruggs is probably going to be one. Tyrell Williams. You got Nelson Aguilar in the offseason, and an underrated guy in Renfro. Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, your tight end. This is a nice core, but you didn't have to go out and waste two more picks back-to-back and doing that. So that really upset me, and it seemed like the most Raiders thing to do. And, you know, they're losers for that and also losers for having their draft board up on the fucking screen. They had their whole (laughs) draft board live streaming. Uh, I mean, uh, it wasn't legible, but come on, man. Be a little smarter than that. Uh, Raiders, you're some losers for that. Now, we have another surprise category here where we weren't really sure to make them winners or losers, but they were interesting teams to talk about. So we're going to just put them in the neither category. And the first team we have there is uh, the Denver Broncos. And I like the Broncos with their first pick, Jerry Judy. That was their man. You you kept, you kept were on that story from the beginning, and maybe they were going to trade up. Mm-hmm. But they w- ha- didn't have to, and they landed in their lap. Um, great pick for the Broncos, I thought, and uh, obviously you thought too because you had him going. So good for them. But then they all they go again with um a, another wide receiver and KJ Hamler, and then um I don't know how to pronounce this. Do you know how to pronounce this third round pick? Uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Ohamudia and that's Michael Ohamudia. That, that, that sounds right. Uh, what do you think about their draft, man? Yeah, I mean for their draft, it was kind of like all right, like. Uh, again, Jerry Judy was a good pick for them. You know, they they were thinking about trading up to nine to get to get Judy or trading up eight to ten to get Judy. But they actually had a, they actually didn't have to move anything. They got Judy at fifteen, so good for them. You get a little bit of luck with that. But then they go back to back with receivers getting, to get Michael uh, to get KJ Hamler, excuse me, from Penn State. Okay, he's a speed guy, so different different uh, style than Judy is. But it's kind of like, all right. It's kind of rough because I know you want to get Drew Lock those weapons, so. You know, it's kind of like, all right, we'll see. And then plus they also get a receiver in later rounds with Tyree Cleveland from uh, Florida. So it's, you know, it, it was like, all right, I see what you're trying to do with the weapons-wise. And they also got Albert O from Missouri. So another pick that David was, was hyping up about his speed and about how he ran his f- crazy forward time, which is true. Albert O, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. So that's another guy. Um, but they get they also, they got a few guys. I feel like they got a few guys in their offense. But not they didn't really address their defense. It doesn't look like besides Ohamudia. I mean, they they got McTelvin a game from our Arkansas. They also got Justin Strand, I believe his name is Stranad, whatever I don't know from Wake Forest, uh, linebacker. But it just seemed like they could have went maybe in the second round with another linebacker or maybe another uh, defensive player. But they decided to go mainly offense in this draft and just try to build around Drew Locke and uh, see what he can do with that team. Obviously, Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU, uh, getting a you know good center for him. So hopefully, he could grow with him and you know have that connection of the quarterback to center. But it is one of those drafts where like it could go either way with me. I just feel like in the sense that you know you're like okay, the, it could go either way. We didn't really, I really, we didn't really foot, feel comfortable. They were a good story to put them at a yeah, winner or loser. So I think that's a good spot for them. With, yeah, and it's really spot. interesting with Vic Vangio. I thought they were going to definitely address more of the defense, and uh, yeah. they're a building team. They're a building team. You don't have to go all out and try and uh, to surround the quarterback. You don't even know if, I mean, I, I like Drew Locke a lot and I know that organization likes Drew Locke and they feel like they finally found their guy that is going to be there for years and hopefully be a franchise guy, but that's still not promised. And so why are you just going in all in on that offensive side of the ball? You need to have some balance there. Von Miller's getting older. He's not producing as much as he, um, I mean, his production 
is is going down just naturally. I mean, just because he's getting older and it isn't the same. And um, I mean, what is I mean, I think he should have one more ring for sure. So um, I don't know. I think that they kind of missed out, and some of these picks are a little bit of a reach. Uh, another team that is neither is the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Eagles are just an interesting team, and maybe they need some explanation and clarity on, on clarification on why they drafted Jalen Hurts. But we'll get to that. The first pick they mm-hmm. get was Jalen Rieger, which, we, like we said earlier, we were kind of surprised that they passed on Justin Jefferson. But Rieger is not a bad fit for this offense, really not. You said the second coming of Deshaun Jackson, and when, once you said that, I was on board. That instantly clicked on my head. I think that's a great um, comparison for the Eagles. Um, I think that they want to con- continue there. And Jalen Rieger, I think, is going to fit perfectly for that offense. A speedy guy. And then in the second round, they get Jalen Hurts, which instantly I was really confused. And if you wanted to get Jalen Hurts, I think he could have definitely fell into the third round. I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't get past – excuse me. Maybe he wouldn't uh, uh, get past uh, the Patriots again. But the Patriots passed up on him in the second round twice. So – I don't. I, what does that say? Uh, the Patriots didn't even draft a quarterback at all, so I don't know. But the Philadelphia Eagles know more than anyone what it means to have a great backup quarterback. Um, I mean, look at the past years. I mean, they won with a backup quarterback, the Super Bowl, and and they've consistently had great backup quarterback play. So getting Jalen Hurts, a guy who's so damn smart and uh, a student of the game and a humble guy, and he could definitely learn about around Wentz, but and and Wentz consistently gets hurt. So I think that makes a lot of sense there. But this is an interesting team. I really wanted to get them to get a tackle or someone, but they get ended up getting Jack Triscoll, which at the fourth round, which is pretty good, and then uh, Prince Tego Wanagano or Wanago. Sorry, Wanago. Um, I think that these guys have a lot of upside and are really underrated, and I think that um, could be sleepers for them. But it makes a lot of sense to me what the what they did. But these also they also need a lot of growth and production out of these guys. And it's not guaranteed with where they picked them and with how they picked them. Um, so that's why they couldn't be winners. But neither losers, though. Um, that's my reasoning. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that was another good selection for this. You know, I feel like for me, the biggest reason, the biggest thing for talking about uh, that we're talking about with the Eagles is that, uh, you know, when we look at Howie Roseman, I understand we said they said we need a, we said they need a receiver help. But you all you drafted three receivers in this in this draft. You know, obviously with you know starting off with uh, Jalen Rieger and obviously going to John Hightower, who's another speed uh, speed guy, another guy in Quez Watkins, who I don't really have much tape on him, so I don't really know what he is. But three receivers, it's kind of like okay, like we it's it's rough when you draft two receivers, you know. But it, two receivers is new, is doable, manageable. But then you get a third guy in the sixth round, it's kind of like all right, you know. Plus another another question I have for me is that you know they go out and get uh you know those two tackles. But does it? Did they only watch Auburn tape? That's why they just decided to get those two tackles on both sides. They're like, you know what? These two guys and be studs. You know, we get Drax just in the fourth round, and then we get his partner on this other side. And we get Prince Tega Wanogo or whatever his name is from his other partner. Like, okay, like Auburn is the place to go for tackles. You know, we got to get the Auburn tackle, but we'll you know right. hopefully it works out for them again. But you know, I just feel like again, obviously, it's not even talking about Jalen Hurts. You know, because of course, you know, when you look at uh Prince, when you look Prince, when you look at uh. Uh, Carson Wentz, excuse me. You know he he was a guy who's been injured a lot. Obviously, not on some of his uh, some of them have not been in on his own volition, but he has gotten injured a lot. So that we had to say that. And plus, we they also know, like you said, the importance of a backup quarterback with their own head coach Doug Peterson being a former backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, you know, and so it's kind of like you know, do the do the Eagles know something that we don't? Because it seems like they do sometimes. You know, with Howie Roseman being that smart GM of theirs, 
you know, they might know more than we do, but at the same time, they might try to outthink this draft and they might, they might try to do something that we might be like, okay, why you could have went a different position, but okay, we'll, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt because you do want you have won a Super Bowl um, the past, you know, three years or so. And, you know, you have built, you have built, you have built a great depth, a great team, you know, that can withstand so many injuries and still somehow make the playoffs. So obviously for that reason alone, I think we put the Eagles in the right position with, you know, either neither a win or a loss uh, for this draft. I think it's kind of in the middle. So good for them. Good for Yeah. I like, I like the Eagles scouting department. I hope this pans out well for them because I do want, I do like when the Eagles are winning and I, and um, I hope they just take over that NFC East that just can't seem to have a, a good Mm -hmm. perennial solid winner because every time it's always a race to the end and it's not a good one it's not one that is intense it's like which one of these teams just finally gonna take the lead they're not uh convincing enough i really want someone hopefully it's the eagles because i don't want the cowboys to come out (laughs) but um (laughs) another team that we have on this list that is neither a winner or loser um are the san francisco 49ers and and this might be a little surprising but um this is just based off the draft okay they're still a great team obviously but one of the reasons why is because I was talking to my uh, friend Moises. Uh, he's a big 49er fan, and he was convinced that they needed a wide receiver one and they should have gone with maybe Jerry Judy or um, CD Lamb or Mams or whatever at, um, with their first first round pick. But they went Javon Kinlaw to replace Buckner. And I thought that was, and I had that um, easy in my mock draft, and I thought I was convinced. And then the more I thought about it, about the wide receiver situation and more it made sense to me because you lose in the Super Bowl due to a lack of being able to get that ball out I know that Jimmy G had some questionable decisions at the end of that Super Bowl but they really did need another wide receiver and then they addressed it with Brandon Ayuk and Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State you you probably could talk about him a lot he had a lot of upside for sure Mm -hmm. but is he a true wide receiver one? I hope it pans out well, and I think it does, and I think it will. But I think they still need another complimentary receiver there um, to complement Debo Samuel and also uh, George Kittle. But I, I do like what the Niners did, but they didn't have a strong a draft uh, as these other um, as the other winners that we had on the list. Also, though, they we have to mention they traded away one pick for Trent Williams, though. A couple picks for Trent Williams. So that does make them... A winner in that sense too and i think that maybe um you can make an argument there but trent williams is also at the end of his career and he's going to be asking for some big money at the end of the season so we'll see i mean he hasn't even played in two years so there's no guarantee that you're going to have the best production out of this guy but you do have a balanced team there and uh that's there's just some question marks of about these players so that's what makes them in the neither for my category what do you think yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, they they had a lot of impact guys. You know, they had Trent Williams to replace Joe Staley, the retiring left tackle theirs. And they obviously got John, Devon Kinlaw to get uh, to, re- to replace um, DeVoris Buckner, so good for them. They also got uh, Brandon Ayuk and a guy from I saw who will – another guy who I saw, I don't know, say it a lot, a speed guy especially, a guy who could just take – I'm telling you, like this – you give this guy the ball and you give him open space, like forget about it. You're not you're not catching him. This guy's this guy's quick. He might I've got you running on his forty time, but let me tell you, he has a lot. He is a faster player on the football field than he you give him than people give him credit for. So in that sense, you know, it in that sense they are winners. But I could see why the people call them losers as well, or at least neither, because you know, this team did not have a pick from the from around two through four. You know, obviously giving one of those or two of those for uh for Trent Williams um was didn't really help. But they, they, you know, there's one of those team. It's one of those 
things were like, all right, like if you want to, if you want to miss on, at least you don't want to have picks. You hopefully delay it in the rounds because usually like a later in the rounds, it's a little tougher to get guys. Um, but you know, to have them, to have them missing picks in rounds two through four, it's kind of like, okay, those are where you build your, that's where you find those guys who, you know, our first round talents, but might have had those question marks that, you know, didn't make them a first rounder. Um, but uh, it, the 49ers, man, they, they won the Super Bowl last year and, you know, those fans are hoping they, they repeat and this might, this might be a draft that either repeat, have them repeat or they have them, um, you know, kind of slip a little bit in the NFC East or sorry, NFC West, excuse me, uh, with, you know, those teams coming, especially the Cardinals having such a good draft and the Seahawks kind of having one of those drafts where you're like, I don't know that they, they, they drafted guys who no, no one's really heard of, but it might, it might work for them and it might work for them. Um, so it's kind of like, all right, like, do they have a good, do they, do they slip a little bit or do they, uh, does this help them kind of replace those, uh, guys with you know exp- at least a letter less than expensive replacements you know especially with those uh, that defensive tackle and riders here position so you know for the 49ers perspective you know they got a lot of guys who are who fit their offense fit their schemes and hopefully again it works out for them but you know we'll see especially those missing those two yeah that's four a good picks. point um because a two through four especially in this year's draft where was was just loaded with guy quality players, production guys that we kept mentioning all throughout this uh, podcast, and you missed out, especially because they and they missed out because they traded up from the thirty first pick with the Vikings, and the Vikings got a lot out of it. So um, we'll see how that affects, and that definitely is a big part of why they're in this neither category because uh, you're investing a lot into this season, and I hope they don't fall off as quickly as like the Rams did fell off a few years ago after losing in the Super Bowl because. Um, it's, it's another NFC West team that was convinced that they could win now, and they made a bunch of moves in the offseason to win now. And look where they're at. They are in a big hole right now without being able to escape it because they have so many draft picks, first-round draft picks that and um, that were traded away and big big contracts they gave to players that can't even produce now with all the players that were left because of all the cap space that those players took up. I'm about to sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Thank you. Bless you. But so – I think the Niners are perfect in that category, and I don't think they'll have a severe falloff like the like the Rams, but they deserve the spot that they're in. The last team that we're going to talk about today in the neither category, which is just an interesting team to talk about because this team doesn't have too many huge holes, but they had an interesting draft, is the Buffalo Bills. And I think the one player um, that they really hit a home run or just a great um, player that they you know for sure is going to do well is A.J. Epineza. Uh, falling them, falling to them at the 54th pit because they didn't have a first rounder was really good. I thought that um, this is a great addition for the Bills, pass rusher, um, an impact player, a young guy they could build around for sure. But I, looking at their list, um, I think that's really it. Uh, you take a, a quarterback in the fifth round, Jake Fromm, who kept falling down. So that's an interesting one as well because you got Josh Allen, and I don't know what's going to happen there because Fromm has had a lot of a lot of buzz around him. So we'll see what ha- happens in training camp if there is one this year and from now on. But that's just what my take on the Bills because I really hope that I really thought that they could get um, better players, especially in the third round too. It's addressing running back with Zach Moss. I still like Singletary. I don't know too much about Moss, and um, uh, I don't know. I I feel like they missed out on a few. Maybe they could have gotten a better wide receiver. What do you think? Yeah, I mean they they their draft was one of those things where like they're they're trying to they're trying to keep the momentum of what their their season was and they're trying to get guys who fill their scheme, especially with AJ Epineza, a great pick who slipped a little bit because of his combine because of his forty yard dash time was I believe was like he ran like a five second forty, which 
obviously in the grand scheme of things isn't that big of a deal but because you know he does play a premium position where uh, speed does count um you know it's kind of like one of those things where he had such a bad 40 10 that people had him slipping to the draft board i mean people were talking about him being a you know a mid to late round first a mid to late first round guy and now he slipped to you know end of the second round you know so it's kind of like crazy to me to see uh aj epineza especially what he did against usc so it hurts a little bit um but you know aj epineza he i mean he he really is one of those guys who might who, who was hurt a little bit by the combine but let me tell you don't let the, those common numbers fool you he's a lot better than those combine shows so you know he he's he's in a he's he's sneaky athletic. Um, I know you see <laughs> the white guys a lot, but you know it's just because you know, it's it's not it's just what it is. Um, but you know AJ Epineza definitely was one of those guys who's who had, who was very productive in college and had a lot of big numbers, but just seemed as if to show that his athleticism wasn't his main key, the reason why he was so good. But it might might actually help him in the future because you know he he tends to use his brain a little more than uh you know than 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 needed, I guess. Um, I guess I don't know if that makes sense. But, you know, so I think I, I think getting a guy like that in the, in the second round was really a big help. Plus getting a guy like Zach Moss, who I, I saw a little bit of David. He's, he's, a, he's a good player, you know, especially could have about Devin Singletary from uh, those touches and stuff. Um, as well as Jake Fromm, a guy who just won in college, won a lot. Actually, the Jay, actually took the job from Jacob Eason at Georgia. And then Jacob Eason obviously transferred to Washington. Um, you know, and it's kind of it's funny because, you know, this guy, Jake Fromm, you know, all he did was win in college. He won, won, won. And he does see them. To see that he he got drafted in the fifth round, like you know, it's it's a tough spot because you expected him to be drafted a lot higher, especially you know from his. If you look at his statistics and you look at his the amount of winning he did in college, it's just like all right, like he's a winner and such. So hopefully, you know, Josh Allen. I mean, obviously, you know, Josh Allen's a feature that at that uh, quarterback position in uh, quarterback position in Buffalo. Excuse me, I'm talking too fast for my own mouth. Um, but you know, Jake Fromm is another guy who can who uh, who who's, who's going to be a sneaky sneaky guy in that first in that in the organization and i also like his name on twitter now it's his name's from jake <laughs> from state farm so i kind of like that so i, I, I kind of like that little you know little catch in his name but another another team that again another team that you know had had a, a bunch of good value picks but didn't really have that sneaky sack uh, that that sexy pick, that sexy pick excuse me to uh to uh to move in, up into their winners and our winners position yeah but, i mean you, you know, take a look at there. their their team and they don't have too many holes but they i think like they needed an impact playmaker like one more i mean epineza could be that guy but yeah. um he did fall for a reason and i i just i don't know they they they're always they're a piece away i feel like um and especially in the afc you need huge impact players and fast guys and, and, and that sexy pick to keep up with the Ravens and the chiefs and be a contender. Cause the bills are like five years ago, this bills roster five, 10 years ago, this bills roster could definitely be a contender, but the game is moving quickly and, and their win their window. I might slip away with them. And who knows if they have another game in the playoffs where Josh Allen's making too many mistakes and they'll be, you know, forced McDermott be forced to make a decision with from. So that's just something to look forward. I mean, who knows what will happen there in Buffalo. They'll get wild. But I think that wraps it up with the Winners and Losers no. podcast. Julian, do you have anything le- uh, left to say with the beer? Yes, I do, actually. Uh, I had a few more losers, but they're more they're more of a, just a joke losers. Um, I have actually four more losers, so be bear with me for the second. Um, the biggest loser that isn't a team oh, yeah. is Bill O'Brien, just for the simple fact. Obviously, you know, you did that. But – 
if you ever look, if you look at that Twitter or that video that's circulating on Twitter and circulating everywhere else on social media, you see that video of a uh, Bill O'Brien going off like, and you could see him move, say the words like, <laughs> "I don't effing know," or "I'm like," basically Tim telling like, "I'm effing like, I'm the guy that made the decisions, like, like I know what I'm doing here," and kind of little, kind of, kind of tough to see that because you know they drafted, they they obviously traded DeAndre Hopkins, had a pretty good draft, so kind of made up for it, but. Obviously, losing DeAndre Hopkins definitely hurts them. Um, another another guy, another team, another player, or another person who was a loser in this draft wasn't a player, wasn't a coach or a player, was more of a sense of, it wasn't a loser, it was more of a need, I would say, in either section just because of what happened. Um, oh, yeah. It'd be Mike Vrabel's son, you know, because it, th- 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 this man, and I'm not even talking about the guy who was, I'm not even mentioning the guy who was, uh, who has a, who had a blonde mullet here, here, you know, in a Mike Vrabel jersey, because he's a story <laughs> in his own, but... The son in the the, the son in the, in the picture of uh, Mike Rabel's Mike uh, Mike Rabel's house when they show him I believe in this, I believe it was in the first round you know he's in the he's in the restroom or at least they say he or at least it looks like he was in the restroom he might have been on a, in a stool or whatever but it looks like he's in the restroom with the door open just <laughs> going at it Dropping doing the, the old uh, you know just doing the old yeah, drop dropping something. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> not as far as mixtape because dropping some fire ass. Where it comes out of, but uh, <laughs> dropping, dropping some fire ass. You know, hold mixtape, hold hold the mixtape. You know, just um, just doing just doing that. But uh, but so I think he's a loser. Right? Um, another. <laughs> okay. So hopefully he hopefully for for his uh, social media following he wasn't doing that. But who knows? Who knows what he was doing? Only he does. Um, another, another another loser, a big time loser, was ESPN for the yeah. graphics department because obviously they did make some good graphics, but it seemed as if they were trying to make everybody have a have a terrible tragic backstory, and if they were bringing up stuff like the worst possible thing of like oh like his uh, his mother was suffering from you know drug addiction yeah. from the age of you know five to like sixteen. You're like, what is that needed for? Why is that needed? Like, what what's the deal here? You know, and it's like, I get it. You're trying to have, you know, trying to give everyone a story of like, you know, what they came through. So kind of, you know, give some, give some good feedback for teams. And you're just like, okay, this is what this guy came up with. And this is what he had to deal with. So a little bit, a little bit more of a reason to root for him. But it's still like, do they really need to put their absolute worst thing that happened to them on there? Like, if, if imagine that, imagine if that happened to me, like, absolute worst thing that happened on there. Like, you know, didn't go to prom. <laughs> Or you know, like had an accident and had an accident oh, in front of his in, you know, fresh your freshman year of high school, or, or sit anew to the wrong person. Like that's that's not needed. Especially it's especially needed, on like, these guys, right, like, or um, like best day of their lives. Yeah, like best of their lives. These guys are getting drafted. Got you guys are fulfilling a lifelong dream, and then you have to put that in there. It's like, well, thanks, man. Like I didn't want people to know that. Like I'm just that's kind of a personal thing, but it is what it is. But another, I know, finally another loser. But it's not, this is one more. This is probably the joke loser of the group. It's more of a more of an inside joke. But the uh, the the loser I would say would definitely be oh. our own sports guy David for his react <laughs> for his reaction on our podcast or on our on our video on our live video that is still on YouTube. Uh, was a, I'll admit it was a little it was a little uh was it was a little laggy so it didn't really get the full length of it but. What is his reaction of when they of when the Chargers drafted Justin Herbert? <laughs> Let me tell you, that was quite possibly the funniest reaction of somebody <laughs> drafting <laughs> someone so high. Excuse me, but um, but yeah. So plus not only that, but he didn't even get into the Chargers uh, thing for the NFL ESPN. So uh, in that in that aspect, obviously it's a tough one to get into. You know, you have so many people, have so many fans, but just 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 from the perspective of of being there live just watching his reaction um on the actual zoom call was so funny and just to have it just have it just to watch over and over and over again on the live podcast and it's on my twitter it's on my twitter so look that up 
Um, if you want to follow it, I'll give you the information late in a little bit. But let me just say that reaction <laughs> is so funny and just his, his reaction is so just like is so just one of those like you could tell he's an NFL fan. So good for David. Obviously, bad react, funny reaction, but good for David from the. And that moment, he was a sore laugh, loser. everybody else laugh. So he was a very sore loser. But they obviously came back within the first round, drafted um, Kenneth Murray. So uh, you know, ended up bringing do ended up doing that. You know, ended up getting the getting a linebacker to help out. But just in that moment, I feel like David was really like questioning his life choices. I'll tell you that much. But yeah, so but other than that, I'm yeah. good for winners and losers. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> good. Yeah. All right, so that does it for us here at the Fantasy Sports Cave and the Winners and Losers Podcast. Julian, where can they find you on social yep. media? Well, I haven't left it yet, so you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'll admit that when this quarantine ends, I might have to think about it because there's been a lot of there's been a lot of tweets out there that have been very uh been very simp like. So I I'm trying to stay away from them. I'm trying to do fantasy football podcasts only or fantasy football analysis only. But it does get tough when it's two in the morning and you're on Twitter and you're like, damn, like I really need to make this. I really need to make my stand here on Twitter about this one simple aspect. So if you want to look for that, if you want look, if you want to get sad, laugh, or kind of like question yourself and why am I following this guy? Look at this guy. Look at me on Twitter and at, at your fantasy guy Jay on Twitter. That's right, your fantasy guy Jay, and that might that has like double meaning. So it fancy football, but also your fantasy guy Jay. Just in case anybody who's asking asking for love, I am single, of course. Oh damn, Steph, that's so actually Stephanie a good Smith, one. real quick. If, think of that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So so Stephanie Smith, I, she's an actress from At Farm. But you know, so listen, I had a big question. So if you're hearing this, let me tell you, <laughs> bring it back, baby. What it do, baby? What it do, baby? So, anyways, Lucas, work and find me on Twitter at Sugarfree Lucas and follow the Fantasy Sports Cave on Twitter as well and Sports Guy David. For everyone here at the Fantasy Sports Cave, we are out. <laughs>